I'm Anna Horford, and you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast. Welcome, everybody, inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison, and today I am joined by my man, Justin Quinn. The NBA season has come to a close as, yet again, the Golden State Warriors are champions after dispatching the Cleveland Cavaliers with relative ease. Uh, we really appreciate you guys all hanging with us over summer vacation. Um, and please subscribe to us on your favorite spot to listen. Um, give us a solid rating or review. It goes a long way to helping us get more traction out there in the uh, interwebs. Um, so now here we are headed into another wild off season. Um, if not for the Celtics, certainly for the rest of the NBA. Uh, but before we get into all those shenanigans, including some Ka- Kawhi Leonard shenanigans after a little wash bomb we got tossed out yesterday, like just thrown casually at us. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on yet another dreadful NBA Finals and the back-to-back champions that we all saw coming. I didn't even watch a game. Not one game. I couldn't do it. I tried several <laughs> times, and I was just like, I just don't even want to do this. And I just turned it off and did anything else. Yeah, I, I watched the first game, which was exciting. I mean, if there was a game you were going to watch the whole thing, it was that first one. Um, and then when they lost, I mean, I, I tuned in, you know, saw a couple quarters here and yep. there. Uh, I actually saw the end of that game three, which was probably the next best game. Well, definitely was. Um, and, but, I mean, after, I mean, we talked about this on the last pod. Uh, you and I talked about it before. Topher and I talked about it on the last one. Uh you know, the Cavs would have been lucky to walk away with a game in that series. I actually thought they would win one. Even when they went back to Cleveland 2-0 and after that crap in game, you know, I, I thought they'd have one of those Cavs shooters hit everything games, you know, ones where J.R. Smith goes like 8 for 10 from 3, but for no reason at all. Um, and I thought they'd win one. I, th- I think Smith is washed. Oh, he's, uh, yeah, that, but I've got no love for J.R. Smith here. But, he, you know, he usually does have a game here or there where he gets hot. Um and uh, that just kind of never really happened. I mean, I guess they played better in Game Three, but um, yeah, not uh, not didn't didn't quite didn't quite work out. They got swept. Um, so that that throws us into this summer of of wildness. Um, LeBron now, oh, that's the story. The big story of the NBA is going to be for at least the next month or so until uh, this gets sorted out. Uh, what happens to LeBron James that shifts the whole NBA landscape? Um, of course, the Celtics have come into discussion because of one Stephen A. Smith dropping that little <laughs> yeah. nugget that uh, LeBron would be willing to take talk with this. Uh, well, you know, they're on his list of teams of uh, destinations, and I mean, sure. Uh, the LeBron thing. What do you What do you think? First, before we get into all the other teams and the likely scenarios, this Celtics, uh, this Celtics stuff. You know, what What did What are there any kind of likelihood of him coming here? There's a couple of things at play here, and green colored lenses can be problematic at times when you're trying to use the same kind of a logic a general manager is going to use. So. With that in mind, you could make a very strong, logical case that there could be a deal out there, you know, emotional aspects, uh, green-tinted lenses aspects aside. But this is one of those rare cases where the person involved is such a big presence in the NBA landscape that one of the major components of last season's success, it still feels weird saying last season, is Kyrie Irving. And we got some mixed messages about how he feels about his former teammate. You could interpret it in a lot of different ways. And he's also up for free agency at the end of the summer if he opts out after next season. So they're, they're, even, even if you don't take into account that a very significant number of the fans will completely flip their fucking shit, pardon my language, this early in the podcast, if, if they do sign LeBron James, if they did work with something out that had the most optimal, whatever that would be, you know, I mean, like all the potential options are not necessarily great ones. You have... Kyrie Irving, as we just discussed, you have Gordon Hayward being a potentially salary filler guy uh, that would really probably not do any favors to the relationship with Brad Stevens, considering those two's history and free agency in general. And then, you know, once you get past those guys, you know, you, you, there's, there's a criminal misunderstanding about how good Al Horford has been and probably will be in the future. So even though he might seem like one of the more optimal people to include in a salary match, there's some issues there, as well as the fact that 
A lot of the people who I've just mentioned would also need other parts included, like a Marcus Morris, maybe some other young pieces, potentially one of the J team, which in my mind is just completely out of the question, even if you could look past all these things that I said. So there's a really complicated thicket of issues to work through here. And when there's a lot of ifs and any kind of a trade situation, I tend to look at it as an interesting contingency to think about, but not to put any kind of significant stock in. Yeah, I mean, it's in all the scenarios that I've seen. I mean, first of all, uh, the Gordon Hayward thing, uh, you can throw that right out the window. There's no chance in hell they're going to trade Gordon Hayward after signing here and then playing five minutes and then, then being out for the season with an injury. Uh, that's just bad optics. That's terrible optics yep. for the team. Uh, and that would, that would right follow team. them, especially after the IT thing. And the IT thing, look, I mean, the guy was, the guy was terrific, but – uh, it was an upgrade. Um, he was signed here for years. It, it wasn't like, a, um, you know, if anything, the Celtics did him a huge service by allowing him to become the blossom into the player that he was um, and line himself up for. Had he, you know, had he had a good season this year, he'd be looking at a big payday. Granted, yep. he, you know, didn't finish the season. That didn't quite work out. Um, but the upgrade there to trade for a younger player, uh, a better player maybe he didn't have a better year last year but I, I think people you know Kyrie Irving is a better player than Isaiah Thomas There's no um, yeah, right exactly um, but to, to trade Hayward after he left a good situation in Utah it's just not going to happen I mean that's it, it that bad optics there would follow Ainge the rest of the time he's general manager of the uh, Celtics and you know it, it, it goes to an extent that like trader Danny would do whatever he wants to do to make the team better or whatever he can do. And he has no emotion about it um, in people's eyes. Anyway, that's not real. Um, that's not then, real because he does have to face them at some point. And he does have to well, face his peers. As exactly. and, and how do you have to, how do you face a free agent coming next year, the years down the line that, you know, after doing something like that to somebody who came here, took a pay cut to come here, got injured, and then you dealt them off to a franchise. That's not going to be very good next year. Um, I guess they would be good if they had Gordon Hayward, but that that's either way it's moot. Uh, that's out. So then what are we talking about? We have the two young players, J and J plus Gordon Hayward, LeBron James coming here. You're not moving one of those, any of those three guys to the bench, right? You're going to, you're going to stunt the growth of either one of those guys uh, in Tatum or Brown. And then it, it's just, it just doesn't work out. It doesn't compute on any level. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, it's, that's all hogwash uh to, to quote robert Kraft on, on some tom brady news last week but um it, it it's just i don't see how it's even plausible um that said when lebron says if he's interested in team teams listen teams do things um you know whatever um but there are some other opportunities that he's more likely to go to uh we've talked about before uh, Houston, LA, Philly. Um, what what are your thoughts on some of the teams uh, and your likely landed spots for well, Ron? Some of the more popular destinations being thrown about don't necessarily, in my mind, make as much sense. Houston, for example, is commonly cited as one of his best potential landing spots, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, well, they're talking about they were talking about they would have to move uh, Harden right to make this happen, or they would want to move Harden. Would, At least that's what I've heard. They, that, that, that is and, one of the possibilities. They would have, to, or or not Chris Paul, you know. And yeah, to me at that point, once if you if you don't have all three of those guys on that team, even with all the guys on the, that team, I'm not convinced that their style of play is going to necessarily complement each other very well. They have impressed me this year. Well, no, I was going to say, the, the, like you said, the, the three three guys that need to dominate the ball. I mean, you can have three. two guys like that, I yeah. think, but three guys? I mean, Paul Paul does a good job of being able to play off the ball, spot up, shoot, and he can do that. But um, that's not necessarily the case. For the a other fairly team. similar situation, maybe, maybe on a lower level of talent, but still fairly similar situation. Questions about bring, putting LeBron in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons. I do think that could be more successful than people think. 
think just because you yes yeah. you and i have argued this because you 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 think that would work a lot better than i do I, but i do think that that philly situation would it be would, better than just because than i think that simmons for, for at least in the short term would be more than happy to defer to lebron and lebron can shoot well enough where they can coexist on the sure. court without it being a major issue they still need shooters like either bringing back reddick mm-hmm. uh for that to even be a reasonable you know situation for them but they're, they're gonna have a hard time adding players particularly with all the draft picks they have coming in and the cap holes uh it's, it's gonna be a very complicated situation right for those reasons as well as others which we can get to shortly <laughs> Anyway, besides Philadelphia, really the only other options I've seen floated that make any sense are the Lakers, which is not, you know, it's fairly similar in terms of talent level to what will still be on the roster as Philadelphia in terms of a talented young core, but not, nothing to write home about. No super team in either of those situations. Then I've seen uh, Portland and Toronto both being interesting options. Uh, I mentioned Toronto earlier in the season as a potential destination for him, and I still think it could be if they can find the teams to take on some of Toronto's pieces. It's kind of a similar situation with Portland. I think even a better fit considering they have, you know, Evan Turner and several other wings playing for them that are making a lot of money and not really producing anywhere near what they're valued because of the whole summer of 2016 TV money situation overpaying people. So in my mind, you could probably consolidate, you know, Mm -hmm. one or two of those, uh, you know, Maurice Harkless and or Evan Turner and then maybe a draft pick or two. And that's a pretty good get for Cleveland and sign and trade. Uh, he would slide right into the, the, the three kind of combo four role that these guys are playing already anyway. So, I mean, in that situation, I think there would be enough star talent that contending is realistic. In that case, they're kind of in the wrong conference. You know, it's still not optimal to, to have to take on at least two title other title contenders before you get to the finals. Right. And then there's like a You're bunch st- of other... Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, well, no, I was going to say, um, my thing is, uh, and this is... Uh, it, the market is definitely, I think, going to be a factor. I don't think a team like Portland, uh, it's either going to be a market factor where he goes to a place where, you know, he can bring in, he can create this mega, you know, team that he can build in a in a place, or he's going to go to a place that already has a team in place and he's like the, the fitting, you know, and I put him over the top, like that would be Houston or whatever, or Philadelphia. Um, but um, I, the Lakers, I mean, they're, now we're talking about Paul George. Uh, I saw some tweets today from some reporters saying that Paul George likely to stay in Oklahoma City. Um, that, I think, could change very quickly uh, if, if LeBron was to decide or, or at least lean towards going to L.A. And those two guys worked out going there together. And then you're putting two stars on a team with a young core similar to Philadelphia's, right? But Agreed. with another like bona fide superstar in tow, I, I still think LA is the most likely landing spot for that reason. That first of all, we're talking Lakers um, and the the prestige that that you know franchise holds. Um, we're talking the flexibility to be able to do bring in another player, do some other things. Uh, they're kind of loaded up at the forward and wing spot, so they would have to make some moves. They but some of those True. young guys are definitely. Um, assets that they could trade for other potential stars or, or pieces to fit with them. So I think there's enough flexibility there. The place, um, not, and not only that, the, um, there's a lot of talk about LeBron James Jr., um, where he's going to be playing ball. Um, I know they were talking about Philly was harping about how LeBron was looking at some schools over in the Philadelphia area. Um, You've you got to assume, uh, LeBron said it before, that uh, one of the factors for him is definitely um, he would love to play someday against his son in the NBA. So you know he's trying to put him in a situation to succeed. Obviously, he's got the name, but whether or not, I mean, he's still young enough. I mean, he's still in middle school, I think, right? Um, he just enrolled in a Los Angeles area school as of yesterday, if my reporting is correct. Oh, well, all right. So as of yesterday, this, this, this even, I didn't even know this, all right? And this leads right to what I was going to say next. He's going to go someplace where they have some opportunities, right? Uh-huh. L.A., certainly one of those places. Philadelphia certainly has some inner city schools and uh, um, with AAU and stuff like that, too. Yeah. Um, opportunities. Um, not so sure about Houston. I imagine Texas does have some some ballers. Uh, you know, there's definitely some opportunities there. I just don't know about the Houston uh, area in general. 
but LA makes a whole lot of sense. Not to mention it's his off season home. Um, that's, that's where I'm leaning. Uh, you, you listed some, some dark horses here. Um, Indiana, um, uh, New Orleans, Milwaukee, Miami, Miami actually kind of makes some sense to me in terms of a place that he's familiar with, right? Uh, he's comfortable with, and he knows it's a franchise that, you know, would do everything to put together a winning team. But they don't have a lot of tools to do it with. Not a lot of draft picks. Well, that's, that, well, that's yeah, the issue. And a lot right? of guys, middling so, guys on slightly oversized contracts with the hopes that they would grow into them. And some of them have and some of them haven't. Right. Now, and, and we know, like, the, the reason why the Celtics were a big talking point was because of Brad Stevens and because we know LeBron has dealt with enough poo-poo with terms of the coach department. He'd probably love to go back to a guy like Spolstra, uh, who's a good coach. A very good coach, um, and no, like you know, a team builder and Pat Riley. But I don't think that they have the they don't they don't have the assets for him to build around, or the assets to go and get the things you would need to build around him. But Miami is a good case study for the other path that Boston did take towards the end of its contending days. When that team ran out of of steam, they mm-hmm. basically just rode it into the ground and hoped they could pick up some pieces and start over once once that that ended. And they, you know, they've done an admirable job with basically a pile of dirt since then but yeah they're i mean they're at least the borderline playoff team right now so it, it's not like they're bottom feeders yep. so um at worst right so um yeah but uh let's let's move on for lebron before we get too too caught up in all this but before the draft the draft's right around the corner uh, we've heard some, you know, we've I've heard we've heard some rumblings that the Celtics are really interested in moving up uh, into the top top five, uh, particularly with Dallas having the number five pick to to select either Mobamba or Triple J. And now you you have written here, I mean, uh, uh, Jalen Brown for the number five pick. Uh, that's Dallas. that's a Tim Cato, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. proposal that he just right. basically invented without any kind it's of a Dallas reporter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a Nelson. great idea. Number three pick, who's outperforming a number three pick for a questionable number five pick? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great yeah. logic. I, I, I don't right exactly. I, I don't buy any 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 chance at all. But don't get me wrong. I don't I don't doubt that the Celtics are interested in moving up to select one of these guys. I mean, they're both dynamic big guys. That would be huge. There's no way they're trading uh, an already proven asset for somebody, you know, it, I mean, the one argument you could make for that is they kick the can down the road a little more having to pay somebody like Jalen's probably going to get some big money in a couple of years. And you'd be moving that down the line, being able to pay somebody a rookie deal. But um, there's just no way they're going to roll the dice on something like that. I mean, on its face, if you knew that one of those guys was going to be, um, you know, a, it was going to be a perennial all star, then, then yeah, sure, it might look like it was a, a legitimate deal, you know, three, four years from now, but we wouldn't know that till then. The Celtics are certainly not going to move backwards, especially like a guy like Mo Bamba, who's going to be a project when he gets to the NBA. Like, we, we're, we were lucky. Jalen and Jason both came in ready to play. Uh, Jason got more opportunities than Jalen did in his first year, so and he took advantage of it. Um, but they, these guys were where Jalen was supposed to be this big project. He wasn't as much of a project as people thought. He just didn't really get the opportunity to play as much as he could have. But Mo Bamba would be uh, – he'd be a couple years off of being, A real contributor. Um, exactly. I mean, and so that doesn't make any sense for the Celtics. So I, I don't see that in any way. I don't care how, you know – freakish he looks out there in his workouts uh there's no way they're moving those guys don't get me wrong if they could somehow get him with the sacramento pick and a plethora of other first round picks but that's not going to happen either and so. he's, he's shooting he's shooting the three in the we'll talk about bomba here um in the third the low 30 percent which is not terrible yeah. but i mean when you make the jump from college to the nba it's, it's a little further back yeah <laughs> And the guards are a little longer and better and faster. So, and they're yeah. used to big men shooting, whereas in college, it's like, oh my gosh, look at that! You know, yeah. and like here, it's still new, you know, comparatively, yeah. but not not like that. So, I'm not so confident in that particular aspect of his game, which is one of the bigger selling points. You know, like he, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tear into Bamba too much, but I mean, his, his motor has, at least in the minimal games that I've seen him, been a little bit questionable. I've I picked up on that in other people's scouting reports also, who've seen a lot more of him than I have. I'm not super super sold on Triple J either, but 
whoever he's more NBA yeah. ready for sure. Uh, but he doesn't have the crazy ridiculous ceiling no, in my no, opinion that nobody, you would nobody have really with does free, in this like, draft. Football. In my opinion, no, not like the last not. draft where I think we had several of those guys in the top thing. But I do have a theory: if Boston does try to move up, there's a couple of signs pointing to the fact that it would be one slot higher, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, Dallas has cap space, and while they they do maybe covet some of the things that Boston has, the things that Boston is open to moving, like potentially, say, Terry Rozier to get up that high, which you probably have to include him to realistically mm-hmm. get up that high, or one of the, you know... Him, the Sacramento pick. Something uh, like that. A couple other picks, probably. <laughs> yeah, but you might be able to, now hear me out, go yeah. to another team like Memphis, right? And Memphis is basically kept out. They have very little ability to address their situation, which is an aging roster that really needs some work. Uh, and this this number four pick could work out really well for them. But if they could get, you know, a young guy to replace Conley as he starts to age and Terry Rozier, uh, they say they don't have interest in him now, but they, they really, really ought to because, you know, he can, he can serve alongside him. He can serve uh, underneath him for at least a season. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of, they, they've got to move some people unless they want to end up paying the tax on a team that didn't even make the playoffs. So, in my mind, if we take back, you know, if we offer up a fair amount of of you know players, they can then maybe do some things with, but maybe also get off their books longer term, try to like, you know accelerate the the cleanup of their books. Um, on, on the lower end, you know, like mm-hmm. somebody, I don't know, somebody, somebody like uh, a Markeith Morris, for example, instead of somebody who's on their books for three or four more years, that might be a, a useful tool to them where they still get a very quality player back, but also help decrease the, the future tax mm-hmm. outlook of their team. So just an idea. Uh, I don't have anything in mind for what Memphis might want to do, apart from some of the general tools that I outlined, but... For me, if, if they are going to move into the top five, I think it's going to be uh, Memphis and not Dallas or Indians. That's certainly more plausible than the Jalen to Dallas for number five. So <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you credit where credit is due, Justin. So uh, aside from LeBron not coming here, and uh, this uh, he's kind of uh, a deal to move up into one of those top five picks, it's going to be a relatively uneventful summer in all likelihood. Um, one of the things that we would have liked to see, um, a Kyrie extension, uh, is not going to happen. He already shot that down. Um, and not sense. because he doesn't to be here long term. Uh, he's playing it close to his chest, which any player would do. Um, I think there's an $80 million difference between him signing an extension now and waiting until next uh, offseason. So really... Um, that's a no-brainer. Uh, it, uh, Kyrie used uh, pretty much the, the, that, is, that same language when talking about it uh, yesterday. And um, it just doesn't make any sense for him to do it. Uh, that, that shows me that he's not concerned about his knee going forward, obviously, because while we're talking about an extra $80 million, uh, he'd be certainly leaving a lot more money on the table if there was going to be some lingering problems with that. So to me, that's a good sign. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's a no-brainer for him when we're talking about that kind of money as long as he feels like he's going to be healthy, and clearly that's the way he feels. I hadn't thought about the the fact that him not being open to the extension is a clear signal of his confidence in his knee, but it very much is, and it's an excellent point. Uh, another thing that people have been throwing around were comments regarding him being interested in the Knicks, which as far as I am aware, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, David before the trade, like th- these were these were conversations before he ended up on the Celtics. So in my mind, while that might still be an appealing potential destination, uh, and you know this is this is true about Hayward uh, that you know a considerable chunk of change is not necessarily enough to keep you with the team, but when you when you throw in the fact that he would be giving up close to 50 million bucks to sign with another team mm-hmm. and that team would definitely not be contending and doesn't really have a clear path to assembling a roster around Kyrie in the next couple of years to contend mm-hmm. unless unless he's just pure ego that just doesn't make any sense everything uh, i'm hearing that doesn't makes no sense i agree 1000% and we'll i mean we'll we'll obviously going to 
keep up with this over the summer and over through the year. And everyone's going to be asking him questions about it all year long. But, uh, you know, I, I personally, um, that's something you just can't worry about until we get into the later stages. Uh, we, until we get to the next off season, really, uh, these guys are focused on winning this year. Kyrie's focused on winning. Um, some of the other guys we've heard Terry Rogier, um, does not want to be traded. He wants to be here next year, at least for that, um, you know, for, for, for that run to the, to the title. Um, so where these guys are all in and, and, and I think that should be the focus, although the reporters are going to ask them questions about this all into the season, but, uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on it, but it's not something that I'm going to concern myself with greatly. Um, uh, as for, uh, the, our friends over in Philadelphia, uh, they finally, after a, a little, it was over a week, right? The, uh, Brian Colangelo, Colangelo, 10 days of, uh, uncertainty there. Um, definitely a location I'd want to go to if I was LeBron, but, um, if they, the, the, so Brian Colangelo's burner accounts, uh, <laughs> were, have been thrown at his wife. Uh, it was his wife. Apparently that's what the investigation has concluded. Uh, I don't buy that for a second, but, um, I just doesn't make, even if it was his wife, it's kind of a cowardly act. If you ask me, for him to just throw his wife under the bus like that. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's shit all around. It's crappy. He should have yeah. just been like, you know yeah. what, no matter what, it was my yeah. responsibility. Yeah, I just can't believe it was my that. responsibility. I, I just and... think of that uh, as someone who's married. I couldn't imagine throwing my wife in front of a train like that. Even if, even if it was her. I mean, come on. Yeah, th- then that very well might be the case. And even if she was, uh, I, I don't. I think that's just the way for the organization to save face. Uh, where, oh, it wasn't really our GM. It was his crazy wife that did it. Uh, so, and that's my thinking anyways. But so with Colangelo out, um, Philly's going to be looking, they are looking currently for a new GM. Um, obviously our own Mike Zarin, uh, is at the top of that list. Uh, how bad would that be for the Celtics, Justin? It would be potentially disastrous, Basically, I mean, you you think he's that? I mean, don't get me wrong. I know Zarin's a, a, a huge part of what we do, but do you think he's uh, you know, in terms of of what Danny does, how how much of a role does he play? Well, there's no way to know exactly, but for people who know more about the situation than I probably ever will, there is a pretty common consensus that he has been fairly instrumental in constructing a lot of these more recent blockbuster deals. And he's been with the team for 10 years, so he may have had a hand in even, you know, the Brooklyn deal. The blockbuster deal. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, again, we don't know how much, but he is very highly regarded. All signs point to him being the heir apparent for Danny Ainge. Uh, You have to have faith that his background with the team being there for so long, starting as an unpaid intern, widely known for being a fan for his entire life, you have to hope that that will be more important than money, but maybe it won't be. Yeah, he, we got to – Mike, this is a word. This is to you, Mr. Zarin. You have got to see this come to fruition, all these crazy trades that Danny has thrown at you and you've been able to finagle in our favor. Please, see it through its fruition. Don't go to Philadelphia. We don't want to see that. Um, Plus, you might get to sit in Red's chair, man, and you know, yeah, there's no guarantee right. that once you once you leave that path, that the path will never open back up again. And I don't know about you, but as long as I have enough money to live on, I'm gonna follow that path. Yeah, for sure. And I, I picture I picture Mike Zarin as like Danny Ainge's uh, his his ESPN tr- trade machine, where Danny just comes up with these crazy ideas and throws them at him, and, and Mike has to figure out how to make them work. Yeah, um, and that's basically his job, from what I hear. Right, and that's—I mean—that's exactly what I pictured. Picture Danny just going you know, What do you think, Mike? What if we, tra- you know, and just throwing out these uh, ridiculous things that somehow he makes come to pass? So, uh, shout out to Mike Zarin. We hope we hope you don't go, especially not to Philly. You don't like them. Um, so uh, Philly's got it. I mean, they've got some other options too. Um, they've been looking at Kiki Vanderway. Um, uh, David Griffin from the Cavs. Um, Which makes sense if you want to get LeBron on your team. Right. So um, those uh, decent options. Hopefully they're, they're good enough that they don't come kicking on our door. Uh, too hard for Zarin, even though we know they will. Um, and then obviously they can always go back to the tank commander too. I'm sure the, the, the Philly 
Philly fans would love it, but I don't think the front office would do it. Yeah, I mean, it would it would it would be a nice gesture to the to reestablish the, the confidence to, and the fans and the team as well because you know he was pretty well liked by the guys who were still on the team, particularly Joel Embiid. But yeah. I I, I would take that job if I were him. I would wait for something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> seriously, Sam Hinkie was was he died for their sins over there in Philly, um, in building that team. Back to the trade deadline of this past year. Speaking of trades here, Wadge just casually tossed out this like uh, small hand grenade yesterday in an article um, saying that the Celtics did make an offer for Kawhi Leonard around the February trade deadline. Um, is this news? We can. I mean, is so. Is <laughs> what? What can we speculate? My, my thinking behind this was that. I'm, I wouldn't doubt, you know, Danny kicks down every door when it comes to this kind of stuff. Guy's available. He likes, he likes said player. Um, yeah, let me throw something out there. My guess is he threw together some kind of package. I mean, because here we are looking at, we were contending. We were still contending for the one seed in the East at the time. Uh, Kyrie was still, you know, playing. Uh, so we were really, you know, uh, you know, we, we were looking like we had an opportunity to get to the finals. The Cavs were floundering. It seemed like that was certainly plausible. Why not throw something out there, see if you can reel in Kawhi? Um, my guess is he wasn't going to disrupt the whole team. I mean, he probably threw out something in terms of picks and um, maybe a Marcus Morris. I mean, I don't doubt that, he, that per- perhaps he may have included a Jalen Brown in a deal like that. Um, but he would have had to think that you were – for sure, getting pay, uh, you were going to be get, be able to sign Kawhi long term because his contract's up after next year. So uh, my guess is, is he threw out um, you know some picks, Morris, some of the young guys, maybe some of the more intriguing ones. Smart, um, maybe Marcus Smart, who at the time was nursing that busted hand. Um, so yeah, he certainly that that certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, maybe Yabuselli, um, some of the younger players that weren't playing a big role this year. I get, I doubt that he was going to willing to uh, gut any of our future. I mean, he might have been one to, if, if they had offered a counter offer, but I very much doubt that such a skilled negotiator would offer him to farm on the first shot. And I think that 26 or 7 other teams probably also called the Spurs and made an offer. Yeah, right. I'm sure there was a lot of phone calls into uh, San Antonio when when one of the best players in the league becomes available. A exactly. player that didn't want to play. I mean, people especially when when especially Danny can smell the blood in the water when he hits <laughs> uh, we took full advantage last offseason when Kyrie was uh, available. He smelled the uh, he smelled the chum and uh, he had to at least, you know, Throw a line out there. Uh, obviously, they, he didn't even get a return, so uh, wasn't really thought up too hard by by San Antonio. So it couldn't have been too much of an offer, is is what I'm getting at. And my my, my opinion on this Woj grenade, as you have deemed it, uh, is that it's political. It has nothing to do with with the Celtics per se, other than the fact that the Celtics were probably the most likely suitor out there for for mm-hmm. Leonard. So. In my mind, you know, Woods does this, and most most major sports writers will do this for agents, and this is how they get access. When an agent wants a or a GM or any you know powerful figure in the NBA, when they want some some favorable press, then you know they make a deal to to give access to certain information in exchange for statements like this, which mm-hmm. are meant to do a thing, and in this case. The key part, in my opinion, here is that there was no counteroffer. Right. And so what what got thrown out there had to be insignificant. Yeah. So not, not just the fact that it was insignificant, but that the Spurs had never had any interest whatsoever. Intention in moving exactly. Kawhi. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, we were talking earlier about players coming back. Uh, we talked about Terry Rozier wants to be back next year. We've heard Aaron Baines has come out and said that he also wants to be back here. He, I mean, he's a unrestricted free agent this year. So money-wise, he understands that might be an issue. Uh, we talked about this, Topher and I did last week, about Baines being um, important, but not, you know, obviously 
you're going to spend you're, you want him back next year, but that's got to be the price. Yep. Right, right. I mean, on one hand, he led the league in defensive rating during the regular season last season, which is not something small, you know, to consider, particularly when you factor in his nearly 50 percent three point shooting in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, of course that's going to drop back down to probably, you know, league average or even maybe a little below that. But I do think that he has uncovered something that the league has taken notice of. But that was in the regular season. There were a lot of people mm-hmm. watching that, including in the league's front offices. So he has definitely improved his stock. However, I do think that based on the cap situation, it's basically what Marcus Smart is facing, which we've spoken about at length several times now, that there's just no money out there for him above mm-hmm. the MLE. And if you know if the Celtics end up trying to stay underneath the tax, uh, they won't be able to offer him the full MLE. So someone could snipe him that way. Uh, the most we could pay him is six, about $6 million with 120% raise. Uh, so there is that, you know, between 6 and $8.8 million of the full MLE space, I think that he might... Might, might depending on what the what the front office really values, you know, con, like cap flexibility moving into the future to retain the team's crucial pieces going forward, or having him on on the books for another year, it could come down to being real close. And somebody like uh, Abdel Nader uh, with unguaranteed money next season could end up getting cut to make room for him. Uh, I don't necessarily think that him being snatched away is is a massive likelihood, but it could happen just because of the combination of his defensive chops being demonstrated so, so well kind of shooting. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. And I think another factor is going to play, uh, that comes into play, is Daniel Tice and his potential health going forward to next year um, because he... Uh, he was great down the stretch for the Celtics. Uh, him coming up hurt certainly hurt our our uh, our front line in the playoffs, and I think we're going to see him playing a bigger role going forward. Which, you know, there's less of a need for Baines if Tice is going to be playing more minutes. In my opinion, that's true, but. There's the key kind of matchup that Joel Embiid's uh, occasional LeBron. Sure, and that's a team you have to worry about. Yeah. So, like those kind of like very big and very mobile big men present kind of a problem that Baines has been great for for helping us with, which is one of the reasons why his defensive rating has been so high. But I think that the Celtics can do okay with with their full roster in place so long as they get one of the very, very many big men who are not going to be getting above what we will be able to, between vet minimum and an MLE or BAE, by annual exception. Uh, mm-hmm. There's going to be plenty of nearly as good big men who have like you know the bulk and the foot right. speed to address that. Yeah. Something like a Kyle O'Quinn, we could probably get cheaper than uh, Baines on the market and you know a big body to throw at those guys like a, a Drummond or a, a Joel Embiid. Um, so potential playoff matchups, both of them. So um, that's definitely where that comes into play the most. Uh, you mentioned Nader. Speaking of Nader, um, he just had surgery on his wrist. He's going to miss um, the summer league. Uh, he should be ready for camp. Whether or not he's here, we'll see. He had some uh, some. He wasn't so great when he came up to the main roster this year. But I mean, he's a young player, um, so. I expect him to be here for camp and then we'll see what happens unless, like you said, he's a casualty of a money situation. Um, but uh, I expect he'll he'll probably at least be here for training camp anyways and have an opportunity to play for a spot. He's been around for a couple of years. Um, he she played really well. Okay. Right, exactly. And he can do a lot of things and he's the size that Danny likes and Brad Stevens, more importantly, likes because um, he's a kind of a utility player. He can do a lot of different things. Um, but that remains to be seen. Um, also not joining us in Summer League, Jason Tatum. Uh, I, I wouldn't put him out there for any reason. Heck no. So, I mean, that's a slam dunk. Thing. I didn't have. I didn't even, and until you put it in the note here, it didn't even cross my mind that Jason Tatum would be even potentially going to Summer League. But most most guys in their second year do. Not not this guy, though. Too What's good. he going to gain from, from that, honestly, versus the risk of games that don't matter? Yeah, no. Yeah, he was just balling out in the playoffs. Uh, no, you know, he just went to Game 7 at Eastern Conference Finals. There's no reason to put any miles or any risk on those on his, you know, body. So, uh, get stronger. Get stronger. Yep. Yes, exactly. Um, that should be his number one priority. Our boy Marcus Smart won the NBA PA's Backbone Award. Now, I'd never heard of this before, but apparently every team gets a player whose 
the backbone of said team. Uh, apparently, they gave them out to every team. I don't. I didn't even see who else got them for other teams. But if you're telling me I that's a slam dunk, that's smart. The longest tenured Celtic and kind of the the lifeblood of the defense um, got the award for us. I mean, it's uh, certainly fitting. Slightly above a participa- participation award. It's one of the. Many, yeah, because I mean, like I like you said, every team gets one. You know, so every mm-hmm. every team is represented. As far as I remember, it's the only NBA Players Association award that went to a Celtic. Even though I believe Al Horford and Kyrie Irving were in the running for for several, as well as Jason Tatum. Um, but I mean, these are we, we've got to differentiate with the whole, you know, like Dwayne Casey winning the coaches award of the year, but not the coach award of the year. These are not like the the, the league's awards, but the. The, basically the Players Union, the NBA Players Association's Awards, uh, which will be televised on an award show on BET and another network. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. They're, they're interesting. I, I think it's mm. nice for some extra hardware. Uh, I, I don't know how long they're going to stick around for because it doesn't seem like people don't seem to be too interested. <laughs> doesn't seem like a Yeah, that's the first yeah. I've heard of it. And I mean, I follow the team pretty closely and the NBA. Yep. So, um, yeah, but hey, power to him. I, at least they made a great choice with Marcus. Um, in former Celtic news, uh, our old pal, big baby, Glenn Davis, is facing seven years for aggravated assault. Um, have you been following this story? A little bit. I mean, this is one of yet another things that have been dealing with. I don't know what the hell is going on with him. Like, you guys are probably familiar with him getting in trouble because of his legal pot business uh, and him sampling his product in a place where pot is not legal in BFE, Maryland, somewhere a couple of, a couple of months ago, uh, getting arrested for that when the hotel owner uh, or not owner, but manager came by the room to ask what the hell was going on when like miasmas of weed smoke were wafting out of it. Uh, he told him to go fuck himself, which is, you know, the thing you don't do when the guy who can call the cops and he doesn't. Uh, so that was that was some bad luck for the dude. And then his weird defense of it circulating virally afterwards. Uh, I'm not even going to dive into that because it's not worth it. Now he ended up going to a club and beating the crap out of some dude. Uh, I don't know why, who started I don't care, but like, yo, if you are out on bail, this is not what you do. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Just, I mean, he's made questionable decision after questionable decision throughout his NBA career, too. And leading up to this, it doesn't really shock me. Uh, you know, I, I'd hate to see the guy go to jail for seven years, but, um, you know, you got to help yourself sometimes, buddy. Um, at, well, talking about former Celtics, this leads us into today's fun segment. Our who would win segment. We got our our two pals, Ray and Rondo. I mean, probably the biggest Celtics nemesises that played on the same team. I mean, when they play, even when they played together, they didn't get along. <laughs> and then, that's only that's only mushrooms since they both left the team. Um, thoughts on Ray and Rondo, first of all. Well, for those of us. Um well, not us because we have, but those of you who haven't heard this segment before, it's something we do from time to time. Whenever the conflict that needs some resolution, with the playoffs being over and Ray and Rondo somehow finally, finally, after half of this season, you know, just resurging in, in, I guess you could say, Celtics NBA media series, to just about everybody's chagrin except for possibly Ray Allen's, uh, we, we felt that maybe we could put it to, to rest with a who would win for them, which uh, who would win is really just us going through the mental exercise of trying to decide who would win an odd number of non-basketball-related duels, <laughs> at least non-directly basketball-related, just for the sake of argument, uh, with a six potential tiebreaker if we end up at loggerheads. So without further ado... The categories for this, uh, we'll leave out the, the tiebreaker just because it is, well, it'll, it'll expose my bias since I came up with these. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dunk tank, mini golf, celebrity roasting, pie eating contest, and debate club. Now, I, I thought long and hard about some of these, okay? Uh, now, when we're talking dunk tank, we're talking 
like knocking someone into the dunk tank, right? Like hitting, yeah, like pocket, you're, right? Yeah, you, you're, not the, you're not the person on the dunk tank. You're right, the right. Person you're the person. So the think the other guys sitting in the dunk tanks, right? So that would kind of um, make it even more fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, Ray being the precision shooter that he is, I, I've got to think. I don't know. I don't know if either one of these guys ever played baseball. So um, I, I'm going to go with, and based on some of the guys we've seen, I've seen Pierce throw out first pitches before. You know, a lot of NBA guys haven't. <laughs> these are like, you know, a lot of them came up inner city. Maybe they played some stickball or something, but these are guys that played ball all their life. So um, the dunk tank, I'm going to go with the precision. I think Ray with the focus. Well, now, you know, no. Now that I think of this, if we're talking they both don't play baseball, which I'm assuming, I don't really know that. I've never seen either playing baseball, so. Because Rondo's passing precision passing Ooh. i think comes into play here more than shooting what do you think I, i'm going with rondo you know what i was gonna go with ray before you brought that up but that is actually, the motions are much more similar right i mean and you know unless unless we're talking about throwing shooting i i think that the, the motion is much more similar so i've changed my vote i'm going rondo same all right that's one nothing rajan uh mini golf now here i will go with ray based on the same thought process that I had before, the focus, the precision. Uh, Rano's kind of more of a loose cannon out there, a little, you know, and and Ray's better at focusing in. I, I think he would win at mini golf. Well, I mean, it's not like the man was missing from Paul Pierce's uh, jersey uh, ceremony to play uh, That's right. Golf. He's a golfer. <laughs> he was a golfer. And quite. So I think that's pretty obviously Ray – um, celebrity roasting. Now, this is an interesting one. So we're talking like, you know, Comedy Central roast style, right? Yeah. Who would be funnier at the roast? I think so. Or at least well, if not I, necessarily I, funnier, at least, yeah. More efficient, more, <laughs> more better. I, I'm, well, if we're talking about that, I mean, I'm, I think that Rondo is, is certainly, based on some of the quips he's made over the years, uh, better sense of humor. Than yeah, right? sense of humor there? A, um, <laughs> a, a, yeah. An old shoe sometimes. <laughs> I have never heard Ray Allen intentionally say something funny, and I've been following him since he was a recruit from Dalzell, South Carolina, so uh, he's not a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we're, yep. I think we're both on Team Rondo there. Now for... A pie eating contest. So this is interesting because I don't know how you gauge who's better at a pie eating contest. Well, on one hand, Ray um, Allen does have the bigger mouth, I think, because he just can't keep the damn thing shut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. R- Rondo has a pretty pretty loud. Um, yeah, but he can shut it sometimes. Um, so that's the thing. Uh, uh, but you know what? You know what? Here, all right. I'm gonna okay. br- I'm gonna show you. How I'm gonna break this down. All right, pie eating right. contest. You're sitting at a table, right? You get a pie in front of you, right? Then the other pies, are we talking one pie or are we talking how many pies can you eat in a lot of time? Because this is a big factor here. Oh, boy. I'm going to go with um, – hmm, Like we're talking one whole pie in one sitting or or how many can you eat? Like you know how these eating contests go. Let's go with, with how many because that was my original intention. I didn't okay. think about the speed version of it, but you know that could have been okay. factored. Okay, because if we're talking speed and we're talking multiple pies on the table, mm-hmm. Rondo with the long arms is going to have a better reach to be able to pull them in, uh, whereas Ray is going to have to lean over, pull them. I, I think I think there's an advantage there with the uh, extra length. Plus, he's a very picky – Ray Allen is a very picky eater. He's infamous for only eating the same stuff all the time, every day, and gets very upset if it's not available. So, That's right. Didn't he open some, like, grub – grub uh, like, uh, yeah. healthy – Super healthy, healthy – uh, Super healthy, like fast food joints yeah. or something. You know, I, I, I feel like he stole that idea from me. I had that idea like ten years ago, and uh, I just didn't have any money behind it. So I feel like Ray sucked that out of my brain. Judas. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I guess we're going double R on that yeah. one too. Um, now debate club. I actually do have a very good. Uh, so. So over the uh, past couple months, it was it was actually right right after the uh, shortly after the Paul Pierce um, uh, missed. Uh, it was it was right around when Ray's book came out after he had not gone to Pierce's um, mm-hmm. ceremony, Jersey retirement ceremony. Um, Rondo, I mean Ray was uh, was on uh, Barstool Sports with Dave Portnoy doing a pizza review to promote his book, and Dave called him out on. 
leaving the Celtics, why everybody was mad at him. He's like, I, I hate you. Part of me hates you or something like that. You know, <laughs> like it's like, and they got into a debate about it. And he not only he, he, some of the things that he said made a lot of sense, kind of changed my opinion on it a little. I still don't like let him off the hook completely for it, but he had some thoughts and, you know, like he was talking about becoming, becoming a spare part on the team, not the team, not wanting him like, yeah, they wanted him back, but they wanted him back. And at like, they, they, they didn't come at, come to him and like, you know, they, they wanted him to come back, but they just kind of threw an offer at him and like, didn't really explain to him how he didn't feel wanted as much as he wanted to. Whereas in Miami, he was getting like, we look at, and even when you talk to Kevin, um, Garnett and Pierce about this, they've both been on the record saying like, they kind of let Ray do his own thing. And you know, I'm sure they, they stayed in contact with him. Whereas we've had like LeBron James and, and Dwayne Wade. And these guys were like, like, coming whining and dining him yeah like they really wanted him there and i mean it kind of puts it in perspective for you these guys and race a guy that made a lot of money over his career he didn't need the extra few million dollars that that it came out to be um but he felt wanted there whereas he, he didn't get that same rub here from these guys and I, and i'll bet you the you know obviously the rondo situation where they didn't get along played a big role too oh sure so it absolutely did uh, so I'm going with Ray on that because he changed my mind. I don't know how well Re- LeBron. I'm sure R- Rondo's a great debater, but I'm going with Ray. All right, I think that's probably it's real close for me. I'm I'm gonna go with with Rondo on this one just because just because I don't really even have a good reason. Uh, just because. Just because. Well, we this is this is just so you all know this was a slanted. Um, I'm guilty. Justin had this. Slanted. The entire time, because the tiebreaker for this was Connect Four. Guilty. And if, <laughs> so, if this was tied up, Rondo was going to win by default. So this was this was a slanted slanted who would win from it the get go. And it's it's not you know. And that's coming from a UConn guy. It is. It is, man. You know, I love Ray. I love what he did for UConn. I love what he did for the Celtics. But there's just a bad taste in my mouth and how he's handled the last year and. You know, to a lesser extent, how he has represented his, the people around him. Um, I'm not going to get into it any further than that, but, you know, you can be a better teammate, a better father, a better husband, a better person, and, you know, you, no one makes you into a role model when you become a celebrity, but once you are one, you are one, and, you know, that's my personal opinion. However y'all feel about him, I'm totally fine with. He was an integral part of Banner 17. He was an integral part of building the UConn Huskies into the team that captivated my attention for the last two decades. So all the respect in the world for that. But for me, at least, um, I'm riding with Rondo. And when, when the two are at loggerheads, it's not even a question for me at this point. Tell us how you really feel, Justin. Uh, a little <laughs> there, but um, yeah, uh, we're, we're Team Janos all the way on this. Rajon Rondo, the soup boiler himself. Um, guys, check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store, and you can even get tickets to the next game when that comes up way down the line in October or early November uh, under that same heading. You can also find the pod on Block Talk Radio, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere that you can find podcasts. Please subscribe so you never miss any of this super compelling content. And if you like what you hear, rating us five stars is a way that you can give us payment for what we are giving you for free. If you don't like something or you have a suggestion, please let us know with a comment on any Celtics Life article or on Twitter. Uh, You can use the hashtag CLPOD, CLPOD. We are always trying to give you the Celtics coverage you want the way you like it, even when there isn't a damn game of basketball being played in the NBA. Amen. Take care. Later, y'all.